and welcome to The Intersect. I'm Eric Tischler. Apt Associates tackles complex challenges around the world, ranging from improving health and education to assessing the impact of environmental changes. For any given problem, we bring multiple perspectives to the table. We thought it would be enlightening and maybe even fun to pair up colleagues from different disciplines so they can share their ideas and perhaps spark new thinking about how we solve these challenges. Today I'm joined by two of those colleagues, Laura Edwards and, making a second appearance on The Intersect, Sung Woo Cho. Laura is an expert in international epidemiology, clinical research, and data architecture and management. Her research experience includes the flu, HIV, AIDS, Zika, and malaria. Sung Woo oversees the machine learning capacity building at APT, as well as our Data Science Fellowship, a company-wide initiative that trains staff members in machine learning programming. Thank you both for joining me. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Glad to be here. When I first started discussing ideas for this episode, I was thinking we'd look at APT's extensive work on the flu. And as we began planning, the flu season got pretty ugly. And then the coronavirus hit, and there's talk of it being a pandemic. So with all of this in mind, Laura, I thought I'd lead off with this. What kind of data do we use to keep tabs on epidemics that could become pandemics? Sure. So maybe a good place to start would be to define pandemic, since maybe not all of our listeners would be familiar with that term. So a pandemic occurs when a brand new virus, one that has never been seen before, emerges without warning, and it spreads from person to person in an efficient and sustained way. So pandemic happens when there is an ongoing epidemic on two or more continents. And pandemics often have global consequences. So what's really important when considering respiratory virus pandemics, whether this is from influenza or another respiratory virus disease, such as this novel coronavirus, um, it's really, really important to have surveillance systems in place that can detect the emerging virus as quickly as possible. Time is really, really of the essence when it comes to detecting pandemics. So when you say surveillance, you mean so when I say surveillance, I mean systems that generate public health data that help public health officials understand both existing and emerging infections. So our apps clients at CDC and Department of Health and Human Services and others have very vast global networks of surveillance systems where they have dozens of in-country partners around the world with ministries of health or other local health institutions that can help generate data about potential pandemic um, emerging infections. So one of the reasons that pandemic flu is particularly tricky is that a person could become sick with the flu and contagious to others before they're even symptomatic. And that's very different than most other infectious diseases where a person is not contagious until they have the symptoms themselves. And this is one of the things that, about flu that makes it spread so easily. And this is also what we believe to be true about this novel 2019 coronavirus. So it's really important, like I said earlier, um, time is of the essence when it comes to detecting and responding to pandemics. And if there's a way that we could start to detect pandemics before individuals who are symptomatic have contact with formal public health and surveillance systems, that could really change the trajectory of potential pandemic outbreaks. 
Right. Cool. And so I know something that we've talked about people doing is, you know, um, media listening and, and looking for uh, text that might sort of give us the jump of that information that maybe we can spot trends that will, uh, before people are already showing up at the doctor's offices, and that made me think of things like uh, natural language processing, which I know Sung Woo knows a lot about. Sung Woo, what do you think? Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, so I think with natural language processing, or NLP for short, uh, I mean, it holds a lot of promise whenever you have a lot of text, like words and letters, paragraphs that you're talking about, um, because it's really tough for like a bunch of humans and with their eyes and brains to look through uh, hundreds of thousands of articles in like a few minutes, for example. That's, that's not really possible. And so what NLP does um, is it extracts trends and themes and different meanings within large amounts of text, especially. Uh, and so you're training an algorithm, a machine learning algorithm, uh, to try to get at what the main themes are in a large amount of text. So for something like this, where if, say, for example, like newspapers or other media outlets are reporting on particular outbreaks in that given area, uh, if you were to uh, cull all that information across these different areas, uh, you could presumably use something like NLP to try to determine themes or try to predict where certain outbreaks could occur. I know CDC monitors the news for potential pandemics. Sungwoo, what kind of scale could we bring to this effort? Yeah, I think that um, if we were able to um, use data scraping, like web scraping methods to try to uh, data mine, essentially, uh, for information uh, on text related to potential flu outbreaks. Um, I mean, it would be, it could be several different newspapers in presumably different languages that we can then translate. So we're talking about, uh, I think, as a safe estimate on a regular basis, say like even weekly, it could be like thousands of pages that we're talking about of text um, that uh, an algorithm could be trained upon to, to try to detect what, what themes or, or predicted outcomes um, uh, that we're talking about. Um, I, I think that that's in the realm of possibility. So like thousands of pages instead of like dozens or hundreds of pages that a human eye um, or human eyes would be trained to look through. And you said multiple languages too, so that's yes, and yeah. Now there are programs, so we we generally use Python as our uh, language of choice when it comes to to machine learning, um, and and there are programs out there that we can use to to translate languages and then use that translated text uh, to to run NLP algorithms on, and that's something that we've done already. Could you define data scraping and data mining? Yeah, so uh, so web scraping, as I think um, uh, the, the better term, so web scraping is a way in which we can get text information directly off of websites or things like tweets, anything that's floating around in the internet. Uh, there are web scraping techniques, these algorithms that we can use uh, to try to cull all that text off of a, a website or a series of websites or a series of texts. So essentially what you're doing is you're just amassing all this text that's out there on the internet, that, that text that's for public use on the internet. So many novel viruses, including this new 2019 coronavirus, are zoonotic, meaning that they originated in animals and then they spilled over to people. And so they evolve 
from a virus that circulates primarily among animals to one that then can be transmitted in a human-to-human -human fashion. So because of that, is it possible to monitor agricultural news um, and web sources to try to catch any kind of spillover um, on the earlier end? Hmm. But that's a that's a really interesting idea to hone in first on agricultural, I don't know, trade magazines or, or newspapers that are all publishing digitally. Uh, if we can call that information, get that text, and then review it on a regular basis, whether it's every few days or a week, uh, we can use NLP to determine what the, the general themes are of all that text. Uh, and then apply predictive analytics as well onto that um, that text analysis to try to figure out where potential breakouts might be occurring. Mm. So these are th that that combination of NLP and predicting some sort of numerical outcome, like yes or no, an outbreak is likely to occur. And that's also something that uh, we're starting to do here, and that's pretty that's relatively cutting edge in, in our. Um, uh, policy research uh, industry, uh, trying to combine text analytics with predictive analytics and trying to predict one zero binary outcomes using a mass of text. Very cool. I, you know, I know that agencies are monolithic entities and they can sometimes have a hard time communicating amongst themselves. And I also know that we have a lot of experience building dashboards where we're sharing data among uh, a lot of different entities. And you know, we do it for HUD, we do it for EPA. I'm wondering if we're talking about, you know, collecting all this um, data for both human and zoological outbreaks, if creating a dashboard that we could share with other agencies might help bridge that gap. I was wondering if, if you think that would be useful, Laura, if that would be feasible, Sung Woo. I definitely think it would be useful having data in real time or close to real time in a way that is visually easy to understand and to digest is really important when it comes to making decisions during the critical moments leading up to a potential pandemic. Yeah, and, and to follow that point, yeah, it, it would be really useful um, for any agency, I think, to have dashboards that are either real time or, or close to real time uh, that people can can use interactive features to try to figure out if you change one variable, how does another variable change, and do all that visually. I think that would be uh, something that is of great use to a lot of agencies, and it's something that we're, we've already been doing um, mostly through either Python or Tableau or D3. Those are some of the more um, useful data visualization platforms that are out there, but we're, we're definitely starting to do that. So maybe we could apply that at the intersection of data and infectious diseases. Yeah. And on that note, I'm going to say that's a podcast. And thank you both for joining me. Great. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and thank you for joining us at the intersect. Sungwoo and I were recorded live at App Studio One in Rockville, Maryland. Laura called in from our offices in Atlanta. For more on this topic, check out episodes two and six of The Intersect 